Put your hands together for Pastor Dr. Michael Gannon. Praise God. Well, thank you, nice people. You can sit down. Sure, a great privilege to be here with y'all. And um, I was getting crazy texts from all these people that I know from Alaska who have left who are watching. So, and my sexy wife. So, thank you for the nice shirt, honey. Isn't it slimming? I love you. <laughs> so, why don't you turn with me to a verse of scripture? I'm going to talk tonight. Um, about making room for your miracle. So the title of my message is Make Room for Your Miracle. Many people don't know you have to actually make room for a miracle. So I uh, hope you like this. 2 Kings chapter 4. I'm going to read verse 8 through 17. And I know you already know this, but this is like one of my favorite places on the planet. I absolutely love being here. It does feel like home to me. And I really love you people. Like, I'm not just saying that. I mean, I really do. Love you guys, and I love your pastor. Like, my... I can't stop. I'll talk. If I talk about it, I'll start crying. So, everybody to God, 2 Kings chapter 4. I'm going to read verse 8 through 17. It says, One day Elijah went to Shunem, and a well-to-do woman was there who urged him to stay for a meal. So whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. All you have to do to get your pastor to show up is just feed him. Amen, that's true of all ministers. I would always go visiting when I was a poor intern like my dear brother. I would go visiting around 5 to 6 o'clock. I would, do, I would do all my pastoral visitation around 5 or 6. Oh, you're eating? I'm so sorry, you want me to come back? Well, come in, sure, thank you so much. <laughs> so, so the prophet is super smart right here. Get the rich chick to feed him. You read that, right? Well to do. So he's eating filet mignon. Come on, right? Lobster. You know, it's not tuna of the sea. Come on, it's prophet food. And so she said to her husband, I know that this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. Let's make a small room on the roof and put in it a bed and a table, a chair and a lamp for him, then he can stay there whenever he comes to us. One day when Elijah came, he went up to his room and lay down there. So it is now his room in this rich lady's house. Y'all following me? And he said to his servant Gehazi, call the Shunammite. So he called her and she stood before him. And Elijah said to him, 
Tell her, so he's talking to Gehazi. Tell her, you have gone to all this trouble for us. Now what can be done for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? And she replied, I have a home among my own people. What can be done for her, Elijah asked. And Gehazi said, well, she has no son and her husband is old. What a great thing to say. (laughs) You're barren and your husband's old. It's like, thanks for sharing that with me. Verse 15, then Elijah said, call her. So he called her and she stood in the doorway. Verse 16, about this time, everybody say about this time. About this time next year, Elijah said, you will hold a son in your arms. No, my Lord, she objected. Don't mislead your servant, O man of God. But the woman became pregnant, and the next year, about the same time, she gave birth to a son, just as Elijah had told her. Let's pray tonight. Father, we thank you for what you're going to do tonight. Lord, as we make room for miracles in our life, in our family, in our businesses, in our own homes, and health, and whatever area a miracle is needed, I pray, Holy Spirit of God, that you would release your power according to your word, and let it be done unto these people tonight. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. So make room for your miracle. This woman had no way to know that Elijah would tell her, you're going to have a son. All she wanted to do was to bless the man of God to make his life easier, knowing that if she did, that somehow that power and anointing in his life would transfer into her house. It is, it is not unlike the ark that was in Obed-Edom's house. And it's said that the man prospered so greatly that got the attention of David. So that's when he went to go get the ark, which was where the covenant was, which is a sign of, the, of God's presence. And so the presence of God, God's power brings the, his, the manifest measure of all of what he is. And so she is not stupid. She knew as much as this addition would cost, and the husband is super smart because he didn't argue with his wife. Amen. Happy wife, happy life. You know, you want a room, honey? Yeah, I'll build it. Just, just leave my man cave. And so they build the room for the prophet, and every time the dude comes by Shunem, he stays in his room. And while he's in that environment of this room that was created for him, the Lord speaks to him and says, let's help this lady. And what do you need? What is, what is the desire of your heart? And she doesn't really have one. It's like, I'm rich. What do I need? You know? Y'all, are y'all all right? I mean, I was joking with Wally today. I said, I'm going to just go to the Baptist church and preach there. And um, you're all seeming a little Baptist-y to me. <laughs> we do love the Baptist to all the Baptist brethren. 
I, I am an equal opportunity picker. I just pick on everybody. So <laughs> just ignore me. The real pastor will be here on Sunday. So, <laughs> so what I'm trying to say is the rich chick didn't really need anything. But God knew what she needed more than anything. Which was probably in her deepest, darkest moment crying out to the Lord, why am I barren? And look at this old husband you gave me. Because I'm quite sure it was his fault. And if you could put this picture on the screen. I... Pastor Daniel, my dearest friend in the whole world, took this photo of me. We were in King's Cathedral in Maui. I could show you exactly where I was sitting in the sanctuary. This was in um, probably 2002 or 2003. And I had been praying for a house. We lived on a very small island. The property prices there are super high. The average home is priced in the medium home is $2.2 million. And uh, even if you buy a little shack in, in where I lived in Lanai City, Hawaii, they're four dollars or $500,000. For a little shack you have to fix up. And so we had been praying for probably seven years that the Lord would give us a house. And I was sitting in this church service, and a man that I know um, was sharing a scripture. He used this scripture that I just read to you. And he said, you sh- make room for the anointing of what it is you want in your life. And it was the first time God ever spoke to me. So I was a pastor in full-time ministry, and God told me to put a $1,000 in this offering. And I was shaking, because I knew there was no way I could do it. There was no, I didn't have any money. I had no way to do it. And so I'm standing there knowing that the Lord spoke to me to give a $1,000 as the largest offering I had ever given in my life at that point. And I'm sitting there, and I grab an offering envelope. You got one of those anywhere? Anybody got an usher? Can I get an usher? And uh, thank you. See, this is the prosperity of the Lord. I got three. Ask for one, and I got three. Um, and I and I grab the offering envelope because I had an an American Express card. So I'm just trying to tell you, I've, I had a theological problem giving on a credit card. I'd never done it in my life. I believe in paying cash. I don't believe in debt. And so I always gave cash. I always gave money that I had. Um, and, and so, but I heard from the Lord give $1,000. I had no way to do it. And so I'm looking at the offering envelope, and at the time there wasn't an American Express thing. So I was like, thank you, Jesus. I really was. I was like, oh, God. Thank you, Lord. And, and I was. I was so thrilled. And, 
I was like beside myself. People were probably thinking, wow, he's getting really touched by God because I thought, no, there's no way I can give this money because I don't have it and I'm not going to write a faith check that's, you know, going to bounce. So, so I walk over to Pastor Brian and I'm like, you don't take an American Express card, do you? Because they weren't on the thing for you to circle. And he goes, oh, no, we can take them. Great. Thanks a lot. And I'm still shaking. Uh, This is a true story. I walk over and shaking, I fill out my offering envelope thing. Now, this is against my theology. I had never done it in my life. It's the biggest offering I'd ever given. But I heard from the Lord. So I thought, all right, well, I'm going to do it. I wrote my name. I put $1,000, I circled American Express, and as I sealed my envelope, sealed it, I stuck it, I shook and started crying, and the power of God hit me, and I fell face first on the ground just like that and got stuck, weeping and crying, not because I just gave a thousand dollars, although that was probably half the reason, you know, I'm like, oh God, (laughs) what are you doing? At least the other half was the Holy Ghost. And I was shaking and crying and I'm on the ground. And Pastor Daniel took that picture. And as I'm laying there totally plastered and stuck to the ground, Pastor Kirsten Davis walks up to me. Let me tell my part. Let me tell my part. So, <laughs> so what I, I looked over. I saw him trembling. And I thought, oh, my God. God is doing something right there. And I knew a miracle was taking place, so I pulled out my iPhone 1, I think. <laughs> took the picture. Yeah. <laughs> Pastor Kirsten walks over and goes, Do you want to give that? And pulls it out of my hand. <laughs> going to be honest, but I couldn't move. I was totally stuck. And I, I'm telling you, this is such a true story. And by the time I got up, I remember thinking I could tackle that usher with that basket. <laughs> like, I know it would be super embarrassing, but I bet I could get my money back. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I know none of you can relate to what I'm talking about. And that was on a Friday night at a special service we were having. I went home on Saturday, and on Saturday, this person who preached that message 
prophesies a word and says, God is giving you a house. He didn't know anything about what I just told you. He said, God is giving you a house. It's brand new and it's full of stuff. Those are his exact words. On Sunday, one of my uh, parishioners, his name was Sean Benzie, who's a school teacher, runs in to the service on Sunday and says, Pastor, I found your house. It's a school teacher. Her mom is dying, and they are leaving um, next week. And they want to sell their house. And so we finished the church service that, so this is Sunday. Are you all with me? I gave it Friday. This is now Sunday. And he says, well, let's go by and look. And I'm like, no way. I mean, they roll up the streets where I lived in Lanai by 7. And it was like after church, it was like 930 or something like that. I'm like, dude, I cannot go by these people. How Everybody knows me. I cannot go. And the dude was relentless. Anyway, he, he made me go. We pull up as we do. Such a long story, but I'll try to hurry. We pull up. The guy comes out of his house. It's now 10 o'clock to walk his dog. And, the guy, and so my, this prophet dude goes, go tell him what happened. This is your house. It's brand new and it's full of stuff. I'm like, I'm not going to go talk to him. I'm like, there's no way. And he jumps out of the car, runs over there. And sets up a meeting for me to meet the guy at 9 a.m. that Monday morning. So I have no money. Was I clear about that? I had no money. So I show up, 9 a.m., talk to the man, and the guy goes, well, we already got a cash offer on the house. Uh, We had, like, there's two other offers, and this cash offer. And, um... And so, well, I said, well, and they asked me, what are, you know, what, am, what do I have? What's my financial situation and whatever. I'm like, well, you know, I'm now a thousand, I have a thousand dollars on an American Express card I can't pay. You know, that'll go over well. And um, so anyway, we talked and I was talking to him and, um, he goes and he talks to his wife and he comes back and he says, you know, um, he has tears in his eyes. We're sitting on his dining room table. He says, he says, you remind me so much of my younger brother. He was a youth pastor and he got killed by a drunk driver. And I've always wanted to do something special for him. So my wife and I want to sell you our house. And I'm sitting there shaking. And I, and I said, can I... To hold it, can I post it a check for $100 until next Friday for the documentation fee? I'm not kidding. Because I didn't even have $100. Like, I told you I had no money, right? Was I clear about that? I had to post it a $100 check. Now I'm $1,100 overdrawn. I'm like, great God, this is just working out swell. So the prophet, his ministry was over. He was leaving. And so he got me a room at the Manelli Bay Hotel, this beautiful hotel. And so I'm sitting there. We go down after this meeting on Monday. And we're sitting at the hotel. And my phone rings. I'm sitting at the hotel uh, around the little pool. 
my phone rings and um, is somebody to tell me, calling me to tell me. This is on Monday. Are you all tracking? That happened Friday. Saturday, I get a prophetic word. You're getting a new house, brand new, and it's full of stuff. Sunday, my parishioner runs in and says, Pastor, we found your house. Monday morning, 9 a.m., I talk to the dude who cries and says, you remind me of my little brother who died in a drunk driving accident. I posted a $100 check because I have zero money. And now I'm sitting at this five-star resort that the prophet dude paid for by the pool, and my phone rings. And it's somebody to tell me that they just FedExed me $35,000 and the check will be there on Wednesday. Anybody want to take a wild guess what my down payment was supposed to be? You're very smart, young lady. My down payment was $35,000, and the dude didn't give me back my $100 check. He kept it. (laughs) Thank God, two weeks later on that Friday, it cleared. Yes! I was at home praying in the Holy Ghost. Oh, Jesus! If you can, let this check clear. Hallelujah! Jesus! And my check cleared. I bought my house. And at the height of the market, before the Wall Street people got stupid, it was worth $980,000. Seven bedroom, five bath, ocean view with a post-dated $100 check. And all I'm trying to say is if you will make room for your miracle, there is nothing that God will not do for you. Nothing. Old husband, barren, no way you can be pregnant, and God just sovereignly comes, and a year later you're holding a kid. The dream of your heart fulfilled because you made room for your miracle. I'd heard this other message. I'm just stealing messages tonight, if you haven't noticed. I have actually pieced together three separate messages from other people to make me seem really smart. And none of them are mine. So... That was really true. (laughs) But they were really good, so hopefully they'll help you. So, um, So let's read before that verse we just read in 2 Kings 4, in verse 1 through 7. It says, the wife of a man, so this is a different story, This is in the same 2 Kings 4. How convenient. You don't have to turn the page. 
The wife of the man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elijah, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. So if you did not have money to pay your debts, you'd become an indentured servant, or what they would rather do is take your kids to serve out the sentence of whatever your debt was. And it was a law, which is why they ended up making the year of Jubilee, because at the end of those seven years, your kids would be set free and they'd be able to come home. Every debt you had would be erased and forgiven. And it was really the mercy of the Lord. And it says in verse 2, Elijah replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a little oil. Everybody say, except a little oil. So Elijah said, Go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Everybody say, don't ask for just a few. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons, pour oil into all the jars. And as each is filled, put it to the side. She left him and afterwards shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay. Sorry, I have like, Jesus, help me. Um, Thank you. It does say oil. Yes, and pay your debts. Thank you for your help. You and your sons can live on what is left. So her step of faith was going to make her debt free. I heard a message by uh, Jesse Duplantis. And um, and he talked about the miracle of the jars. And, and what he said... Um, and Chris Vallotton has this great teaching. He pastors at Bethel Church in Reading, kind of where we, where we live in Northern California. And, um, and he said, you should have at least five streams of income. So have five jars for God to be able to fill for you what you need. And when he preached this message, I got so convicted, I went and opened a bank account so I could sow money out of this bank account. I went and I opened it at Bank of Hawaii, and I said, I'm going to make this my ministry fund so I can just give money away to people when they need it. And I thought, well, you know, I didn't have any money. I had a house, but I had no money. And, um, and so I would believe God to put money in this bank account, and, and I'll never forget, I, I was sitting at um, James and Deb McCormick's house in Alaska. I was sitting there. I'd just gotten through working out. I got a phone call from a guy that I know who, do, who does these ministry trips there now. They're called One Nation, One Day by Mission Me. Has anybody ever heard of it? They, it's this huge thing. They go take a country and preach the gospel to a country in one day. And it comes from Isaiah that says, can a nation be saved in a day? And he called me. I was bench pressing at the McCormick's. He called me on the phone. He said, I'm going on a mission trip. Do you want to give me money? 
And, I, and I'm not kidding. I heard the Lord say, write a $10,000 check. And I needed my own miracle. So I, I was just about to take a sabbatical from ministry and not work. And, and so I was saving what money I had for this sabbatical. So I had the 10 grand to give, but I was planning to live on it. So I'm like... <laughs> Again, not a great plan. Anybody ever have those conversations with God? I'm like, dude, and I do. I call him dude when I'm a little upset with him. I'm like, dude, this is such a bad program. Like, you know I need this money. And, and I argued with God. I don't know if you've ever done that. I argue even though I know I'm going to lose. I'm still going to argue. I'm going to be fussy because I, I don't see what you're doing. And, dude, it is like you're kidding. That was the biggest check to a ministry I had ever given. And I'm sitting at the McCormick's house in Alaska, and I, and I did it. The thing that I've learned about the Lord is when you, when you don't want to do it that bad, it's probably God, and you should do it as fast as you can. It's like just rip the Band-Aid and just, just as quick as you can because you will talk yourself out of it. I could have come up with 900 reasons why that was such a bad idea. So I did, I did it. I just did it. I, just, I gave him 10 grand, and I was so sad. <laughs> And I was worried. I'm like, how am I going to live? You know, it's sort of like this jar thing. I had a ministry account that I just named, now gave $10,000 out of. And I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And, um, and I got a phone call from a friend of mine who said, my wife and I were praying. And we would like to deposit money into your bank account for your sabbatical. He wired $144,000 into my bank account, and I took off a year and a half. I rented a doctor's house in South Lake Tahoe, and I just loved my kids and restored my family because someone was crazy enough to hear from God to give me $144,000. My ten grand was like $900 million. <laughs> Felt like. It did. <laughs> Felt like, you know, it was like sponsoring a small country. And, um, and, um, anyway, he wrote me a check for $144,000. He didn't write a check. He, he wired the money to me. Uh, these are true stories. I'm not making this stuff up. <laughs> That happened within a week of me leaving here in Alaska. So are you all with me? So here's my third message. I stole this one also from somebody. <laughs> really? Now this is probably mine. 
<clears throat> so, turn to Galatians chapter 6. Are you all all right? Yeah. Um, Galatians 6. And then I'm going to have to go fast. Which is sort of an oxymoron for me from California because I only have like one gear. I'm like a first gear preacher. That's what I am. <laughs> Some people can have like five. You know, just... I'm like... I'm like, you know, the Mac truck that has that one granny gear, you know that one? That's that's kind of me. Just the granny gear. But it'll get you up the hill if you need it. So So I have like one, two, three, four, five, six more scriptures. <laughs> Still in first gear. I'm like, oh Jesus. Plan B is we just all get drunk in the spirit. Thank you for saying that. That's always my plan B. Sometimes it's my plan A too. I don't know. Sometimes it's my A, B, N, C plan. <laughs> it's true. All right, Galatians 6, um, verse 7 through 10. says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So isn't it fascinating that scripture of let us not grow weary in well-doing, for at the proper time you will receive a harvest if you do not give up, is sandwiched right between the law of sowing and reaping and this statement right here, verse 10. Therefore, everybody say therefore. My Bible teacher would always say, whenever you see the word therefore, you should wonder what it's there for. So that was free. It says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. And so this law of sowing and reaping is not unlike the law of gravity. Is everybody familiar with the law of gravity? Let me demonstrate. The law of gravity maintains that if you have something that goes up, it also must come down. The Sir Isaac Newton got hit in the head with an apple and came up with many other things, the laws, their theory of relativity, and many other wonderful things. But the law of sowing and reaping is a universal law, which says that if you sow, you will reap. Isn't that correct? So if you can just put up my other scriptures, I don't have time to prove my point, 
Let me just put them up. Genesis 1, 11 through 12 says that God produced all seed-bearing plants and they would produce after their own kind. Every one of these verses says that they will produce after their own kind. Every seed-bearing plant, he called it all good. Then in Genesis 1, 21 through 22, he made the fish and he made the birds of the air. Fish in the sea and the fowl of the air. And he said that each of those will produce after their own kind. Then in Genesis 1, 24 through 25, he made all the wild animals and all the long livestock and everything else on the, on the earth. And each of those things produced after their own kind. So in Genesis 11, 12, 21 through 22, 24 through 25, God put them all on the earth and said each of these will produce after their own kind. That is basically the law of sowing and reaping. That if I plant a seed in the ground that it belongs to the apple family, I'm going to hopefully reap an apple. If as much as I would like to have a tomato... I'm going to get an apple. Y'all with me? And what I will contend for you to understand tonight is that if you need a specific harvest, you can plant a specific seed. So let me tell you, I tested this theory. I needed $5,000 for a vacation I was taking with my family. I'd been saving money for months, and all I could manage to save was $500. So I had $500 in my hand. I'm leaving in three weeks, going skiing in Lake Tahoe. I had my plane tickets, but I had no other money, and skiing is very expensive. And um, so I got this idea from the law of sowing and reaping. I needed a vacation, and I called my best friend, and I said, I would like to sponsor you and your family for a vacation for over Christmas. I think it was over Christmas. It was whenever I was leaving. And I said, why don't you come to Maui, and we'll pay for your vacation. We'll pay for everything. I, I got him a condo in Maui. We had a car there that we own that we let him drive. And um, we got him food. We took him shopping. And, um, and I gave him my $500. So now I have zero money for my vacation. But I've just sown a vacation seed into my best friend's life. Is that not true? That's true. That's what happened. That Sunday, everybody say that Sunday. <laughs> that Sunday, I had a son and a mom visiting from Plano, Texas, my church service. We had a great service, and I met them, said hi, they leave, whatever. And around 2 o'clock, I get a phone call. It's the nice Texas people. And they said, if you're not busy, would you mind coming down here? And I'm wiped out tired. I have service at 5, thinking to myself, why in the world would I do that? But I remember the law of sowing and reaping. So I jumped on my Harley Davidson, <laughs> rode down the mountain at very unsafe speeds because they were cutting into my nap time. And I go, I go down, and they say these words to me, and I'm not joking again. 
the son is talking. He says, my dad used to sponsor people for Christmas. We've done it for years. He passed away um, a few years ago, and my family and I have maintained this tradition to sponsor a family at Christmas. And we prayed. My mom and I, we called our sister in Texas. We all got on the phone, and we decided that we want to sponsor you and your family. And she hands me an envelope. So thank you very much. Put your hands on it. Let's pray. We pray for it. I drive back up. And $5,000 is in that envelope. And you may be looking at me like, dude, you're a little weird, which is true. But so are these stories, and they work for everybody. Because God said he is no respecter of persons. So when I hear people say to me, Pastor, God only does that because you're a pastor, you're lying. You are lying. Because that is not true. God's word works for everybody or it doesn't work for anybody. I just have a, I'm just crazy enough to think that if I do something God tells me to do, that God will do something that he said he'll do, which is give me a miracle. And I'm not joking. I could tell you a hundred more stories. I am not joking. And this is my final scripture. Oh, it's not. Shoot. Okay. It's not my final. Jesus, help me. I really have prayed so many times that God would give me another gear. I'm like, oh, Jesus, please. Even just a second gear would be really helpful. Like right now, I could be, you know, right at the end of the message, just putting it in a second. I don't have it. All right, everybody got. I have two more scriptures. Oh, Jesus. All right, 2 Corinthians 9. I'm almost done. Thank you, young man. 2 Corinthians 9. It's about to get good. All right, that was totally by faith that I just said that. All right, 2 Corinthians 9. Um, for six. So, um, six. Shoot. Okay, here we go. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. So first we looked at the law of sowing and reaping that everything produces after its own kind. Does everybody remember that point I made? Yes. Honey, who's watching by TV? That was point number, number one. So... My, my wife likes when I have points, so really wasn't a point, but she's watching, so that was point number one. If you're taking notes, this is point number two, <laughs> that I won't get in trouble. So point number one, everything produces after its own kind, right? Point number two, 
is if you will sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work as it is written. He has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever, which is speaking of God. And it's some psalm or something. And it says, now, verse 11, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase. Everybody say supply and increase. Supply and increase your store of seed and you will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. And so this scripture, the first one was about how everything produces after its kind. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. It is a specific intent. I sowed a vacation. I reap to vacation. I do this in my life all the time. This speaks of the measure of your sowing. If you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. If you sow generously, you'll reap generously. The measure is controlled by one thing, me. I control that law of sowing and reaping. I have not found many things in the kingdom of God that I get to control, but that's one of them. Because God's word, he cannot lie. And so if I sow generously with intent, knowing what I need to reap, I'm going to reap that exact thing I sow. So if you don't like what you're reaping, honey, change what you're sowing. And how long does a bad harvest take? It takes as long as it takes. You know, I counsel people for a living, and they're like, I'm just, you know, and I'm like, well, dude, I say that $300 an hour, dude, change what you're sowing. It's like bad relationships, but you're a bad person. Like you're mean and not nice. You say mean things. So you're reaping what you're sowing, meanie. You're just a meanie sowing meanness, reaping meanness. Because the word of God cannot lie. And the meaner you are, the meaner your harvest. It is true. I got one Pentecostal on my side. She's like, say that again. Tell my husband who should be watching. That was just a joke. I'm just kidding. I don't know why I do things like that, really. I am so sorry because that was not, that was not true. Sure, your husband's lovely. It was just a joke. Okay, it's my last scripture, and then I'm going to take an offering. Ecclesiastes 11, and I'm in Isaiah. Jesus, help me. (laughs) And then, so really, I have two gears. One is first, and the other is reverse, which is really bad, because I'm trying to finish my message, and all I hear is boop, 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 boop. 
Just bring it on back. Bring it back. Just bring it on back. Like, no. Just help me finish, please. All right, this is my last scripture. Ecclesiastes 11. One of my faves says, cast your bread. If you lived in a place where bread represented money, you would cast it upon the waters. And after many days, you will find it again. Give your portions again, money to seven, yes, to eight. For you do not know what disaster may come upon the land. If clouds are full of water, they pour rain upon the earth. Whether a tree falls to the north or to the south, in the place where it falls, there will it lie. Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. As you do not know the path of the wind or the body is formed in a mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. Like that is the mother of all statements. So I've learned something long, long ago. When it's a problem between me and God, I just have chosen that it's my fault. I've, I, know, I don't blame God. I, I do call him dude, and I get upset sometimes. But I don't blame him because obviously he's smarter than me. And so I just let him be himself. He lets me be myself. And then if there's a problem, I just vote it's me. So I've been doing that for years where I just vote it's me. Okay, and that's, that saves us a lot of time in arguing <laughs> because I just go, okay, you're perfect. I'm not fine. It is my fault. Fine. Fine. The last verse is verse 6. Sow your seed in the morning. And at evening, let not your hands be idle, for you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that, or whether both will do equally well. And so, I jumped on an airplane to come help my best friend build his house. And he gets overwhelmed and says, I love you so much. But I have an ulterior motive. Because I want to buy a vacation house. I do. (laughs) And they're very expensive. The where I'm looking is in Lake Tahoe, Truckee area. And there are 400 and above. And I would like to, to buy a vacation house so I can go ski anytime I want. And take my kids whenever we want, and I don't have to pay other rich people to rent their houses. I'll have my own. And so we've been talking about it. So when I heard he was building a house, I didn't even hesitate. I'm coming because I want a house. I'm telling you the honest truth. And so tonight, we're going to take an offering. It is for me. But my wife and I are going to sow it as very smart people because whatever you give me, as generous as you is, it is not enough money for me to go buy a house. And so whatever you give tonight, my wife and I are going to sow into my best friend's house addition for his little chef kitchen, for him to be able to buy sheetrock and whatever he needs. And so... So, 
I read the scripture, do not give under compulsion. I am a firm believer in not giving under compulsion. In fact, if you try to compel me, I will punch you in the face. (laughs) I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. So I'm not here to compel you, but I know what I'm going to do. Am I too loud for him? You're too, I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, I don't want to wake up the babies. Um, oh, come over here. So my wife and I are personally going to give $1,000 in this offering tonight, which is mine. I'm going to give $1,000 to myself because I love me. And, and that was really not a bad word at all for five minutes of preparation and a mocha. Thank you, young lady, for your help. And so we're going to give $1,000. You do whatever you want to do, whatever you hear God say to do, and then I'm going to pray for God to release miracles in your life. You may not need a house like me. You may need some other miracle. You may need a miracle in your health. You may need a miracle in a baby, you know, or not a baby. You want to try to give yours away, or I don't know. You know, it's like... It's like, you know, I thought if I ever give my kids away, the people will just give them back. So I don't even try. Like I'm stuck with them. So, but whatever you need, I'm going to pray and I have an anointing to, to release miracles, obviously, by my testimonies. And I'm not joking. I could give you a hundred more of how I just laid hands on people, instantly delivered of heroin. No withdrawals, no, slept like a baby, like supernaturally delivered. I mean, I'm not joking. I pray for people. Boom. I, I will tell you this one last story. And then you start making out your check. And then this, this, this is free. So you make out your check to KC. They're going to give it to me. And then we're going to help my friend with his kitchen. So you give what you want. We were given $1,000, my wife and I. Because I love this man and his wife and his family more than my life itself. It was one of the greatest, craziest miracles I'd ever seen. I was praying for this little girl. She's five years old in my church. She said, pray for my uncle. He's on meth. He has a gun right now to his head. He's in a trailer, and the police are after him. He's going to kill himself, blow his brains out, because his wife just left him. Fully addicted on meth amphetamines, about to shoot himself in the head. And as I'm praying, I start crying. I'm on my knees crying with this little five-year-old girl, praying for his nephew. And as I do, I see a dude walk in the back of my church. And my security goes to go help him because he looked a little messed up. And, um, and I go, we go pray. We go back and pray. And the Lord told me, spoke to me and said, that's him. So I hadn't even preached my message yet. I went back. I let my worship team still lead worship. And I led that man to the Lord. Brought him to the front of my church. He got 
plowed in the Holy Ghost and instantly delivered. He's been in ministry ever since that day. He's a great man of God, instantly set free and delivered. His testimony of a loaded gun to his head being on meth. He was on like a 7 to 14 day binge of meth. The police were after him because he had threatened to kill his ex-wife and all this gnarly stuff. Fully in his right mind, God totally healed him. That was one of the greatest miracles I'd ever seen. While I'm praying, the dude walks in the back of the church and then gets completely set free. In his right mind. It takes seven years, they say, to get off meth. That's where they're going right now. And, um, and so, um, so given this offering, we're going to bless my friend so he doesn't have to spend the rest of his life trying to build this addition for his wife. And uh, we're going to sew it all. I talked to my accountant who said it's completely illegal, in case you're wondering. Because it goes into the account I made that I give away. I give all my money away. All that, that fund, I give away to everybody. And I'm giving it away to a very good source. This is good seed right here. The other thing, this is now my third point, honey. Here's my third point. It's very important you sow into the right soil and the harvest you want. Comes from Mark chapter 4 where it talks about the parable of the sowers. Is everybody familiar with that verse? Y'all familiar with that verse? It's Mark chapter 4. This is some of the best seed, if not the best seed I have ever found to sow into. So I go out of my way to try to sow because God gives me back so much more than I've ever given. (laughs) He's blessed me so beyond. It's true. So let's pray. And then um, I went long. I'm so sorry. It's my first gear. I'm going to blame it on that. And then... And let's pray. So everybody got their offering thing? Everybody got it? Thank you, darling, for letting us give $1,000. She said, I trust you, honey. Give whatever you want. And I forgot to text her. So she's just now finding out about it. She might be on the floor crying with an envelope stuck in her hand. You just gave away (laughs) $1,000. All I need is Pastor Kirsten. Do you want to give that? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. But but maybe you do. So hold your gift in your hand. And we're going to pray for a miracle. Everybody ready? Do you all, anybody have some faith in here? Okay, come on. Let's pray. Father, we pray according to your word that I just preached. That you will reap and allow us to reap what we sow. And I specifically spoke tonight on miracles and making room for a miracle. This is just an offering. It's just money. It's a piece of paper, cash, or a check, or it's a little circle of a credit card. But it represents their desire for a miracle. And so, Father, with everything that is in me, with everything that is in me, 
I ask you to perform these miracles for these people. Let a miracle come to this family. Let a miracle come to this family. Let a miracle come. Release from heaven a miracle. Even now, like in Daniel chapter 10, where it says that the angel stood in heaven next to the Lord when, the, when, when he had inclined his heart to seek understanding. The angel of the Lord came in response to that prayer. The miracle was on the way and the, and, and the prince of Persia resisted him for 21 days. But the angel was coming. I pray, send an angel even now. Father God, the moment I began to utter the words of this prayer, that the angel of provision is on the way. Father, in the name of Jesus, of supernatural increase, supernatural increase, supernatural increase, that the storehouses would overflow. The storehouses would overflow in the name of Jesus. You would bring healing, deliverance, power, a demonstration of power, of divine power for cars, homes, babies, jobs, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Lord, for David, let the job of his heart come to him now in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, let this great man of God see with his own eyes your hand and your deliverance sovereignly and supernaturally. Father, release in the name of Jesus. Release in the name of Jesus and bring the perfect helpmate, God, the one that you have designed just for him. In the name of Jesus Christ, this time, next year, I pray for this man, this time, next year, the desires of your heart will be fulfilled and you will be walking in a spacious place, says the Lord, so spacious. <laughs> Let it come beyond his own dream and desire. Lord, you're so much bigger and so much better than my tiny little imagination. I can't pray a prayer big enough. I cannot pray a prayer big enough. They're all insulting because you're so great. It's so vast. It's so good that nothing is impossible for you. Nothing is too difficult for you. Nothing. Barrenness is nothing. Cancer is nothing. It is nothing. Debt. Divorce. Nothing to you. Father, you could call to your friend, Lazarus, come forth. And even death had to listen. Even death listens. Death listens at your name. And I speak life into every dead situation. I speak the life of God. I speak the hope of heaven. I speak a miracle. Come to your house. 
and to just blow your mind away. Just blow them away. I pray big government contracts. I mean the big ones with multiple commas. I pray such abundant blessing that your storehouse will be so tiny. I pray such a release of heaven that this will be the most fruitful offering you've ever given it because you will see the hand of the Lord and you will see the goodness of God in the land of the living and the desire of your heart to be on a little stump jumping crazy prophet Pentecostal airplane traveling to preach the good news and just to make Jesus famous just to talk about his goodness just to think about his goodness and go and tell other people how good he is <laughs> that you got it wrong if you think he's about religion you got it wrong that the dream and the desire for you son will be fulfilled in such measure that your latter years will be greater than the former as great as your ministry was as great as this woman has been for you and your family and the goodness of God that you have seen time and time and time and time and time again you're going to see it even more you're going to see it even more because the end of time is accelerated every day that goes by is closer to his return and you're going to see the acceleration of the gifts within you. You're going to see the reward of your faithfulness of the countless hours and all the sacrifices. Where's my husband? <laughs> he's out bringing someone food. He's welding something. He's building something for someone. He's doing something. He's reaching people. He's always giving, 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 giving. And he is like the widow with the two mites that gave all he had, wished he had more. And you, dear family, are a two-mite family. You put yourself in the offering plate as the two mites. You are one mite, and you are one mite. And your two mites you stuck in the offering plate years ago. <laughs> You're like, God, all we got is yours. Everything we have is a miracle of heaven. Every blessing, every good thing, we owe it all to you. So we put ourselves in the plate. It's all we've got. <laughs> the best we can do is give ourselves this. If we give it all, it's still not enough. And I pray your reward 
the reward of the righteous in the name of Jesus to see fruitfulness to see amazing fruitfulness in your kids and your grandkids will do more than you ever imagined because of the fruitfulness upon you says the Lord release a miracle in the name of Jesus alright well are we ready I may never be invited back I went so long I can't even tell you so why don't I close in prayer because this may be the last time you ever see me <laughs> that was a joke I'm hoping Ushers, please. So sorry. <laughs> I'm humbled. I think he prayed. I sure felt it. Go ahead, guys. Go for it. You might be here tonight. Jehovah Sneaky. Strategizing some crazy thing called Dr. Morocco and did some crazy. I never heard an offering like that here. Give to me and I'm going to help your pastor. What kind of crazy offering is that? I'm... I'm, I'm humbled by that. You might be here uh, tonight. And um, again, if you're offended, be sure to come back Sunday morning. sound of my voice you're listening by facebook live youtube perhaps maybe on the web stream and you're not right with god if you died god forbid you died tonight if tonight was your last night and by the way none of us know when our last nights are none of us know when our last days man is given what one life one life to live and after that the, the judgment and if you're not right with God, don't you, don't you roll the dice and hope that you have another day because you're not promised another day. No man knows the hour or the time when it will all be over. So if you're here or you're listening later and this is recorded, you're under the sound of my voice and you don't know for sure whether you're going to heaven, I implore you, I plead with you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled, to give your heart to Jesus, to repent of your sin. And receive the free gift. It's a free gift that no man can boast. None of us are righteous. No, not one. You all right? No man can boast. 
All of us sin and fallen short of the glory of God, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. So every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're driving, pull over. We'll wait for you in just a second. You want to get right with God for the first time or make a recommitment? Some of you have received Jesus when you were at a kid's camp or, or maybe even a year ago or six months ago. And you know you're not right. You need to recommit your life to the Lord. If that's you, you drifted. You want to give your life to Jesus for the first time? Or you've drifted and you want to come home tonight? Or thirdly, you just want to be assured of your salvation all across this place. Those listening, if that's you, you see, that's me, Pastor Daniel. And slip your hand up right now, won't you? God bless you. Thank you for your honesty. God bless you. I see that hand. Raise your hand high. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Praise God. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. Can we all stand together tonight? You raised your hand. You meant business with God. There really is a hell to shun, and there really is a heaven to gain. And it is as simple as that, is repenting of your sin and receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Pray this after me, just right after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son, Jesus, to die in my place and to rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin and come into my heart. Come into my life and be my Lord, be my Savior. Wash me and cleanse me and make me new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Let me pray for you. Just lift your hands as a sign of surrender. Holy Spirit, I pray your touch right now upon each and every one. Break every bondage, break every chain. Release your power to heal, restore. Fill these with your Holy Spirit right now. Be filled in the name of Jesus. Be healed, be free, be delivered to the glory of God. Walk with Him all the days of your life. Never turn to the right or the left. Seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. For the glory of God that when the end comes, we'll hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. Amen. We're going to close tonight. Uh, Dr. Gannon is what I would call a, a brooder type prayer person. What is that? Somebody that just prays and just prays until he's done. So he wants to pray for as many people that want prayer. So if you're here and you want prayer after I close, that way those of you that want to slip out can slip right out. You have an an awesome week. We'll see you on the weekend. Yeah. Um, If you suffer from insomnia, I believe God wants to heal you tonight. So if that's you, don't leave because you can't sleep anyway. So come up here. And then secondly, if you want to be delivered from drugs, come up here, but I'm warning you, do not come unless you really want to quit. Don't come. It's like dangerous to come up here and let me pray for you if you don't want to quit because I will. it will ruin your high forever. 
So only if you really want to quit. And if not, no judgment. No judgment, just keep coming and soon you'll want to quit. Let me just close and bless you. If uh, those words of knowledge were for you, you can respond. You can begin to respond right now. And, uh, and then we'll just close and release you. We'll hope to see you on the weekend. God bless you. Thank you for being such a great people. And Dr. Michael Gannon, thank you so much for your unusual service and offering. Father, we thank and praise you for what you've done tonight and what you're going to do with the miracles that you've released. Your kingdom power, the seeds that were sowed, your presence, the anointing. I bless your people, cause your face to shine upon them. Ushers, please. Usher. Cause your face to shine upon us. Lift up your countenance towards us. Be gracious to us. Keep us. Give us peace in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.